Good morning, church. You humble me, Dave. Thank you uh, for those words. I feel like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. But uh, there's no place like home. And uh, I just want you to know, WFR, forever family, we are, we are one body, and we meet at three places here simultaneously, in this room, in a room, another room in our building, and also across the river, uh, Mom and Dad and Scott Caldwell and the group there. But now, and I love the video, because of God's providence and grace, we really are everywhere. What a blessing. If people are willing to put their trust in God, to speak truth in love, God can do anything. Amen. And I just want you to know you are loved deeply uh, by Lisa and I. You've given us every good thing in our lives. Uh, Larry Bowles preached last Sunday, and I finally got to watch it <clears throat> throughout the week. And, uh, you know, if that guy keeps working at it, I think he's going to be a pretty good uh, speaker one day. Man, what a sermon. And uh, he, he's, he got a little into the text that I'm going to begin with today because it closed out his thought. <clears throat> and I want to start there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, your tablets, your phones, however you follow the Word of God these days, we'll start in verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, and of course you remember last week, Larry uh, expertly pointed out that that was the ministry of Christ as seen in glory, right? That doesn't fade. We do not lose heart. He's going to say that twice, so it's important. So Paul's ministry, as well as our ministry, is God's ministry. It's given to us. So when we say, you know, our ministry here, we mean God's ministry in us. That's what Paul's saying. And that keeps you from losing heart. He said in verse 2, Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God, which some were doing there in Corinth, and some still do to this day. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So not only was Paul's ministry and our ministry God's ministry, but Paul's truth and our truth is God's truth. His truth to be spoken through us so that we can lead others to Christ. I hear people in our culture say, well, that's your truth. I've got my truth. You've got your, your truth, right? The problem with that is with everybody's truths out there, we don't know what is the truth unless we know God's truth, which we do. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What a picture. You see, the unbelievers veil of Paul's day and of our day, is Satan's veil, he being the architect of the gods of any age. Because he's been a constant since humanity showed up on the planet, right? He was right there with us. And the reason there's a veil is because the evil one wants to mask death 
And he wants to keep people from being enlightened by the light of Christ. Therefore, they wear a veil. The early empires were blinded by the God of nature. I mean, all the sacrifices were made to the God of heaven, the God of rain, the God of crops, all nature. The Medes and the Persians, the God of their age was the God of law. Law will fix anything. Law will save us. And they fail. The Greeks were blinded by the God of knowledge. If we could just attain to more. It's all about the intellect. It's all about the brain. It's all about the ideas. You read about that in Acts 18. And then they fell. The Romans were blinded by the God of power and might. Strong military. Take the world. It'll all be united in one. And they ruled for a long time. Until they fell. The British and the French, they were blinded by the God of aristocracy and nobility. It's all about the class system. That determined your worth. And they ruled for a long time. Until they fell. I mean, they're still around. It didn't work. In America, a little bit of all that. But mostly wealth, success in many areas. Blessed by God, yes, but as we're seeing today, trust in the wrong place. Veil. We too, unless the Lord comes back, will fail. Hopefully not soon. For what we preach is not ourselves, he would say in verse 5, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, here's a verse. I want you just to pause a minute because I want this one to sink in. This is some verse. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. That's a reference back to the beginning of the universe. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of of Christ. Wow. To quote a great theologian, Keanu Reeves, whoa. That's heavy. Because that's the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit directly impacting us, the light in us, God's glory and splendor of the Father, the face of Jesus seen in us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit that then shows that light every single day. Man. Jesus' light was shined at creation. He was there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And we got to meet God when He decided to come to this earth. But He was there. He was that light. He was that Word. Jesus. His light shined when he came to this earth. And there literally was a face. First, a little baby. I mean, he came like we come, out of his mother's womb. You think mother's wombs should be protected? When the Son of God, Jesus, decided to come here that way? Jesus' light was shined at Pentecost 
First for the Jews in Acts 2, later for Cornelius and the Greeks in Acts 10. And how did it happen? By the light shining through the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out to begin what we are now a part of 2,000 years later. Still displaying the light. Every time a veil is lifted, every time a heart surrenders, more light, more light, more light. The Godhead is at work in us. The glory of the Father, shining. The face of the Son, shining. The work of the Holy Spirit, shining. How powerful is that? We are a part of that forever family, shining the light. So others can see. But there's that word in verse seven. I told you, watch for the conjunctions. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? How many of you are old enough to remember that, right? That was back when you could learn something on television worthwhile. Right? Conjunction, junction. But we had this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Wow. Wow. There's three reasons Paul would use jars of clay, I think. One is that it was very common. It literally came from the earth, so people would recognize it. It was also very fragile. I like to call the jars of clay cracked pots. That's what we are. We're cracked pots for Jesus because we're flawed. Got a lot of cracks. Third reason was they were made and molded by someone's hands. There was a creator of the cracked pots. And there's a creator of us. So why jars of clay? Well, first of all, because it's not your light. It's the face of Christ. It's the glory of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit that shine through you. It's not your light. It's his light. And the more we understand the flaws, the more we see the glory of God. I believe this is what Jesus had in mind in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, which we'll get to later. When he told Paul, who was asking to take away these thorns in the flesh, and how many of us do not ask for thorns to be removed on a daily basis, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, Jesus is enough. Yeah, but you don't understand what I'm dealing with. Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. If we believe in him, no matter what we're going through, his light will shine. Even in the darkest, deepest, most desperate times, especially in those times, is when we have to have that light to shine. You see, our flaws show his perfection perfectly. We just uh, wrapped production on a new movie. and It's called The Blind. And the story is about my family in the worst possible times of our family's existence. When uh, Zach first approached Dad about doing this movie, he was not too happy. 
He said, why do y'all want to keep embarrassing me? And showing this period of my life, I'm embarrassed by that. And I get it. No one likes to talk about their worst days. I had my prodigal years as well. So whenever dad, there's, you know, not sure about a project, they send the Phil whisper in. Me. And so I said, so dad, what do you think about doing this movie? I'm not sure about this. He told me why. I said, well, Dad, you know, when Paul wrote Romans, he didn't start in Romans 4. He started in Romans 1. And he's looking at me, you know how he's got that look. He said, good point, Al. I guess we'll do it. That's all it took. You know me. Let's go to the Scriptures. Fills in, right? None of us like to look at our flaws. Or talk about them. We don't want to be shameful about our disobedience. But you have to understand, unless people know the flaws and the bad, they'll never understand the good salvation. That's exactly what Romans is all about. We can't do it on our own. We're flawed. We're cracked pots. And our ministry is to help God heal others. So that's why we made a movie about this period of mom and dad's life mainly. By the way, there are three actors playing mom and dad three different periods of their life. One of them has already come to Christ just because of the project. You tell me if flawed crack pots is not where it's at, right? And there will be more. There will be more because the light shines into darkness. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, conjunction. We are perplexed, but not in despair, conjunction. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know what the one word that comes to my mind when you read that? Because all of us have been there. Hope. No matter where you're at. You know what the distance between us and the world is they live ultimately without Christ, without hope. This is it. That's why planetary issues and government and what's going to happen in the next election is so important to so many people because they don't have hope beyond this life. And they don't understand that this too shall pass. Whatever it is, it's seasons. We have to look at hope. We find positives in the negatives. We find silver linings in dark clouds. We find goodness when we're surrounded by evil. We find joy and hope in the middle of a snowstorm, apparently, as people just soak up God's blessings here. Verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul realized that he was laying down his life to share Jesus with as many people as possible in his generation and in his age. 
And by that death, others would experience life. You see, we find life through death. You say, well, that sounds kind of crazy, but it's true. You remember Nicodemus in John 3? When Jesus was explaining to him who he was and why he came here, and Nicodemus, who still had the veil on, said, I don't understand. How can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? You see, without the veil being removed, it makes no sense. But when the veil comes off, ah, then I start seeing that I put to death my old self by embracing Jesus. And by that faith in him, now I can see what he's done for me. I die daily to my worldly desires. How do I do that? By taking up the cross of Christ and following his example and the examples of his disciples through the word of God. We died to our guidance and wisdom of our own accord by being filled with the Holy Spirit, who is now our guide and our comforter and our best friend and our fruit bearer. That's how the glory of Christ shines. People will say, as was said this morning, man, Alan, Lisa, you, you guys are awesome. You're just, we're so glad you do such a good job. And I, while I appreciate the compliment, it goes right on to the Holy Spirit. Because it's not us. We are flawed, cracked pots who found the light of Jesus. Praise be to him. And glory be to him. Verse 13. Paul said, it is written, I believed. That's where the light comes in. I believed. Therefore, I have spoken and try to keep me from speaking. I'm going to admit it to you this morning. I was sitting there Monday. I was looking ahead to this week. I was looking at the calendar. I was looking at the flights. And for 10 minutes, at least in my ear, saying, you don't need to preach Sunday. I said, maybe you're right. I better call Inman or somebody to ride to the rescue. Bullpen. Bring in the right-hander. And then I read this text. I said, nope. Because that's what this text is about. Feeling like you just don't know how you're going to get there. And God says, oh, you're going to get there if you trust in me. Therefore, I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And you don't have to be a professional speaker to speak. In fact, the more common the speech, the more you impact people. Not just from this place. I appreciate the opportunity, but way more out there. And that's all of us. We have that gift. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. And present us with you to himself. We all share that. We are children of the resurrection. We have a story to tell. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people. Now, what motivates you? More. More. They may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I don't know if it's going to be in the movie, but there's a story that Dad tells about once he... By the way, you're in the movie... Do you know that? I mean, it won't really be us because it's fake. It's, but, but it's WFR. Bill Smith, Alton Howard. Little 10-year-old Al. You. 
WFR, 47 years ago, were a part of our transformation, a part of our forever. You. There's a story that dad, you know, he came here once he became a Christian. He basically was hiding out from all his old connections just an hour north of here. And he knew they'd try to find him because, trust me, evil doesn't like losing part of their party. Right? We need old Phil. We need him back. And they're looking. They don't know where he went. He was hiding out here, being discipled by men like Tommy Powell, Corbett Gilbert, Doyle Jennings, Gary Stevenson. New relationships that would transform and be a part of our eternity. Several of those men now waiting on the other side until the Lord decides to come back. Finally, somebody found him. Went down to the river. Said, Phil, where you been, man? We've been missing you. He said, he's dead. He died. What? Yeah. The one you're looking for is dead. This is new Phil. The one that's been raised to life. To tell guys like you the truth. <laughs> Gone. Why? Because they weren't ready yet. But, you know, one by one, as the years went on, Dad was able to go back and bring Jesus. And I know this is in the movie. One of the, the most infamous relationships was a man named Big Al, atheist his whole life, found out he had aneurysm and some issues, and he called and said, Phil, I'm ready for you to tell me about what you're into. Ten years later. Dad said, I'll be there tomorrow. He drove to Junction City, sat down and shared the good news with Big Al, who cried like a baby, facing his own mortality, you see. And the veil was lifted. He baptized him into Christ. Three months later, he died on a baseball field coaching what he loved to do from a heart attack. We'll see him again. That's what the light does when we just get out of the way forever family Derek and Kayla did the live stream they're doing the live stream today I love listening to that couple talk man you talk about a couple of cracked pots for Jesus in fact they're helping lead people from crack pipes to crack pots right on a regular basis praise God for that What I love most is their humility. Can you believe? Look at just a few years ago. Here's where we were, but look what God has done. That's, that's the glory of light. Well, let me, uh, as we close, get ready to close, crack pots. You know, crack pots can see things that aren't there, aren't real. The, the definition of a crack pot, I looked it up, is a kook or a crazy person. Right? Talks to themselves quite a bit. But you got to remember, a lot of people were called crackpots that turned out to not be crackpots. Galileo said the world didn't revolve around us, but it revolved around the sun. What did they say? Crackpot. But he was right. 
now the cracked pots, us. You know, we say life doesn't revolve around us, but the S-O-N. People say you're a crackpot. Nope. Georges Lemay, I worked on that one, expanded on Einstein's theory to claim that the universe is expanding, which means it had a singular starting point. What would later, at the time, you know what they say, crackpot. But later, it became the Big Bang. You know what the cracked pots say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now, look, continues to expand. The Wright brothers said that man could fly. You know what they say to those guys? Crackpots. And then one day on the beach, they did it for a few feet, for a few minutes. I just visited 11 American cities spread over 3,000 miles in four days. They were not crackpots. You know what the cracked pots say? When the Lord returns in the sky, our resurrected bodies are going to meet him in the air with no jet engines. Superman style, Jesus power. I love it, sir. Right? Isn't that going to be awesome? We're going to fly. Just jump and take off. Crackpots. There it is. There it is. I heard you last week over there. Therefore, verse 16, we do not lose heart. Second time he said that. So how should you leave this? With your heart intact. No matter what you're going through, do not lose heart. It ends like it started. You got a little Jesus crowd going over there with you now, Kurt. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We're all dying. We're all terminal. Unless the Lord comes back. We view that differently, right? With that inward renewal. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Do you realize in that moment when we have a face-to-face with our Lord and Savior, with the Father, do you realize the glory of God will they'll be totally encompassed in us for eternity? And we look at eternity and say, well, I don't know, what are we going to do there? You know, I mean, it's just like we're in a bank line. We're going to be in the glory of God. Trust me, it'll be awesome. Because God will be with us. So we fix our eyes. Here's the crack part. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Wow. Wow. When I speak on the road... I show a couple of pictures. The first one I show is uh, of our family the last night we filmed the show. And do we have that picture? And so whenever I show this picture, people look at it, and it's the reason why they love our family. I talk about four generations of faith. I talk about blessings. I talk about living in a compound where you get to be near your grandkids. I talk about my dad baptizing his great-granddaughter 
at my house. Moments like that. That's why America, many of America, love our family. And by the way, others hate us. See how it works with the veil? So because of the show, this is why I'm getting the opportunity to be where all these places I'm going. So I want to honor that with the people that invited me there. But then I love to show them the picture from 1972. Because, see, that's the same family. Same family. It was just much smaller. And it was in much more trouble. And God, in his infinite wisdom, over a 40-year humility training program, because he knew we would be on television. He knew we would be flying around the country. He knew we would be sharing with people. He knew all that because he's outside of time. Decided that the last thing we needed to think is it was us to our glory. Because it was all his glory. And so that 1972 family had no idea what that later family would look like. And yet, by faith, we saw the unseen and trusted in him to deliver us. And we still are. That's what every person needs, is that faith to trust in God. You're going through some dark time. Your family's in trouble. Maybe your marriage is hurting. I get it. There's sin is at work. The veils are still on for so many. And so many, we think because we're just around the light that it's enough, but it's not. It has to be in you, individually, personally, to make that step. That's what we're called to do and to be. And if you've never embraced Christ, the veil's still there. But if you're having that, that tug at your heart that says, you know what? I think I'm ready to give this a go. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to make him my Lord. You'll be changed forever. And that which you cannot see, those difficulties that you think you can't overcome, you'll be delivered from. And even when you go through tough times, and you will as a believer, in fact, you'll go through more. I experienced this this week. I was tired. I was grumpy. But I charged on. And I made a decision that at the end of the line, the people that were there would get just as much energy and goodness from me as the people at the beginning did. How were you able to do that, Al? Because of the glory of Christ that shines through me. Not to my glory, but to his. So that more people will know. So today's the day. If the veil is there, let's lift it up. Let's do that while we stand and while we sing.